You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. Enjoy the show. Podcast. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host. Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Joined as always by my buddy Garrett. What's up, guys? Uh, Garrett, I'm going to ask you this week to speak up a little bit because okay. I'm having a hard time yeah, editing you, in our audio tracks. You were, so, cu- you were bouncing in and out there, but yeah, I'm back now. I can hear you. I'm right up next to the mic. All right, stay loud. Okay. Stay loud. <clears throat> I will. All right, not coughing. All right. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. My apologies. All right, a little bit of Rogan news I want to cover. Um, one, you got a new studio. Um, and you could see it on the uh, Tom Segura uh, pod at the end of the week. The new studio is way better. It's way more like the old one. And it's how it should have always looked. That red pill one was distracting for video right i'm I'm just gonna say it. i don't know what other people thought but it i know he wasn't really trying to like make any point about like the symbolism of what it was but like people are gonna look into it because so many people listen right and i just thought it was like odd i think it i just felt like he was something was like symbolically being said that he didn't mean right. or whatever. It was like, it was like, what is this place? It was a constant, constant talking point with a variety of guests to it. Always. He always had to cover it, you know? Yeah. And take the, take the attention away. Right. Just have like a plain room that looks like you could also, you know, do a bunch of woodwork in there or like, gut a deer on the table <laughs> right like just keep it simple just homey you know like somewhere you're comfortable that, exactly uh some other rogan news we should talk about is i don't know if you guys have been seeing this but like spotify has been removing a bunch of episodes so uh they're kind of edited out and i wanted to talk about this because like obviously rogan went over to spotify for less censorship right and I wanted to hit this point because, um, you know, people were like, say, oh, he sold out or, you know, they shouldn't remove episodes because it was like Milo Yiannopoulos, the Proud Boys guy, Gavin McInnes, c- comedian Chris Leah. Wow. Here's my thoughts on it. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, you have thousands of episodes right. of Rogan still on there. Right. Yeah. Uh, if a few are gone, if if people are upset, ask yourself this: Were you gonna listen to that episode again? And was there information in that episode that was so vital for like people to hear? No, I I just you know I think about it just based on this podcast. Like if I had to move over to another platform, let's say that our host company went under. And I had to move over, and they were like, "Look, we can only take so many, or we don't like X, Y, and Z." I, you know, I'm surprised. I don't think it would matter. I'm surprised though. I don't think it matters in the long game. But I didn't even know that, to be honest with you. Too just made reference to that. But on the plain devil's advocate, something like that, 
I couldn't foresee Rogan. I guess I would. I, he probably sees it the same way you just did, like whatever, moving forward. But at the same time, for a principal standpoint, it's like, why are we even bringing that stuff up? Like, why is that even a topic of conversation? I don't understand why they would feel obligated to do that. Is that strictly based on the fact that some advertisements won't go to Spotify based on that information, you think? I don't really know. I don't think that their impact is that big. I think that they're just trying not to be associated with those particular people. Right. Um, And I get it. But here's the freedom I think Rogan has. He could have those people back on if he chose. Right. And I think they would air it. True. And maybe they could address it. So, but yeah, you're right. It's a slippery slope. And that's why I wanted to talk about yeah. it. It's like something that you think about and you're like, all right, what, what, this might mean this for now. Maybe this isn't a big deal, but what does it mean in the big, biggest scheme of things? I, I, don't, yeah. know. I don't know. I, I don't know, but if it's given any into it or like any insight into how that works it seems like you give them an inch and they'll take a mile and that's that's what i always worry about you know every time i get in a relationship with a woman (laughs) fair enough fair enough give them an inch yeah and like put your shoes over there i'm like what else does this mean why is this the deal yeah (laughs) once you do start once you go down that slope and you start doing that in anything even with COVID, not to always come back to that, but I keep having this cold. Well, you've coughed like four times on this podcast, <laughs> I, so do you need to get tested? I, I, What's happening? I, I think so. Um, no. I've, get a glass of water. I feel great. Um, all right. Even with the mask, I keep asking the question, is there, is there? I know that's all based on numbers and when it's going down, but is there going to be a point where they just say, all right, guys, take your masks off, and then everybody's going to say, okay, they said we could take our masks off now. I people are ready for it when they're told. It, it, actually, I have a good quick story for that. So Bozeman's very open uh, compared to a lot of the rest of the country. Right. Thank you, Bozeman. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they've even like started kind of squeezing people in around the bar area, and um, you know because it was like so spread out before. If you started talking to anybody that wasn't close to you, it's like what? It's weird. Mm. It's like people don't know what to do, and now people are having chats again, mm-hmm. which I love. Right. I went to this tea place. Typical that it would be a tea place, but the the uh, <laughs> Prince Philip died. Yep. Right. Which basically the King of England. So uh, a friend of mine was like, "Do you want to go have high tea somewhere?" I think she just thought it was funny because I'm a British person. I don't know. But I was like, yeah, all right, we'll go celebrate his life. And we went to the tea place. And um, the, the, the lady came over to us and said, when you're talking, please put your masks on. And in between taking sips of tea, put your mask on. Mm. And because nowhere up here is doing it, it was just so bizarre to me. Like we were, we were at least 15 feet away from any other people in there. But, you know, what, why, why it was important that that happened is because, honestly, I'd forgot what it was like and how it is for most of the country and world. I mean, I have friends in, in France and, and my, a lot of my family in England right now, and it's, it's a lot like that everywhere for them. Right. Like, that's totally normal. 
Weed stuff. Yeah, weed I stuff. wonder if we're still just the one that's under the microscope. I will say at, at work now, it's just, I don't know, it feels a lot similar to back to normal, but it's just interesting watching people get up from their table and have to scurry to look for their masks to go to the bathroom, come back, take their mask back off, sit back down. It's like, what are, what are we doing here? I, what, are, like, what are we doing? Dude, you don't want to poop without your mask yeah, on. Yeah. And the, All right? <laughs> if anything, you're saving your yourself from yourself you, you see point. people riding their bike you see people riding their bikes with their masks on without a helmet in the middle on down washington i'm just like what is going on here <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know it's the twilight zone but I, i'm hoping we come well this is a this is a perfect segue into the dan crenshaw um podcast 1630 right so dan is obviously a congressman um ex-navy seal you know he's a bad motherfucker yeah he is and whether you believe in him politically or not, like he he is objective, mm-hmm. you know, though biased to the Republican side, like that is clear. Yeah. But in this podcast, he really had some very open-minded discussions, I think, with Joe, though he does, you can tell he's well-trained to stick to his side, which I guess, you know, if that's your job, which it is for him, you got to do it. Mm. But I do like that he was open to the idea of uh, healthcare for everyone and had that type of balance. But he started off with an interesting thing. He was talking about how, um, you know, he, he kind of opened up with like the affiliation thing, right? Right. So you get kind of, there's like a risk assessment factor you, that comes into like your political I was affiliation. Say you're talking about political party association, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was like, you know, when it comes to cops, lumberjacks, military, firemen, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like it doesn't matter where they live. Right. Like you can have a very blue state. Right. Like my old roommate was a fireman in, in Santa Monica and he was very much a Republican. Right. And it's like, you know, and I have cop friends there, plenty of cop friends in the L.A. area that are all Republicans. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's an interesting thing. And I I kind of never really put that together or even thought about it. The vast majority. I was just like, huh. Well, from a couple of standpoints, obviously, the state from the state level and the federal level, they're paying their salaries. So, so you're not going to want to speak out on certain subjects. But at the same time, it is interesting how those two things coincide just as it is, especially with like the police force, you're not going to, I don't know. Are you going to meet an extremely, but I don't think it's that I don't, I think if you take a lot of people that work in Washington and they're just like, you know, um, government sector people, or they work at the post office or I, they, they're maybe more likely to be Democrats. I don't think it's like an affiliation with the government no, that makes you I, I, Republican. That could make you either party. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying it's an, oh. an interesting correlation how those kind of risky jobs, I think is what you're kind of alluding to. Yeah, yeah. Are, are, well, that's are, what he was are saying. More, are more conservative or Republican associated. That's what I'm saying. It's like you know the dangers <clears throat> in the world right. more so than others, and therefore it like kind of takes you to the side of like, trying to be you help out or whatever whatever i don't really know what it means to say that you're a republican or a democrat right. in that sense it's like are they saying to themselves 
oh, because life is dangerous, you got to protect yourself, and therefore you need a gun, and whichever side wants the guns, right. I'll go with them, or That's, whichever side says get up and work really hard. Like, those are hard jobs. It's a scary system. Mentally, physically. Yeah. Um, I'm not... But then again, what am I saying? I'm not saying that Democrats don't do hard jobs. That's not what I mean. But maybe, maybe there is some correlation there that's that's like not really thought about. Right. I haven't met any super liberal police officers or <laughs> firefighters personally. That, now that I can think of, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know any from the ones that I've met. If I think about it, yeah. they, I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah. I'm sure there are plenty, but. Um, it probably is the majority. I mean, definitely military. Right. Military people are a majority going to be Republicans. Right. But that one kind of makes more sense because I guess traditionally that's more of their funding. Right. Exactly. That's why. You're... So they're thinking about like what, what their job is. So that's kind of more related. Isn't it interesting whenever he was talking about, he always says my side. And I and I I like Dan Crenshaw especially, but initially listening to him, I've re- I've read his book too. It's he's very I have to be on my side, which I guess that's just how you gain clout within your party. But it's such a weird thing because he was talking about like Rhino candidates and whatnot, like certain people that are go against the grain that are supposed to be conservative candidates. Like I, I can't remember, I could be wrong. I thought he said Mitt Romney and a couple people that you would not even remotely consider being like rogue conservative candidates they right. you, you speak out on a few issues and you've already sold yourself up the river he makes reference to that chris rock statement it's like i don't put myself in the one gang or another based on until i listen i just butchered that but until i hear the <laughs> until i hear the issue i'm not on any side is basically the thought process and that seems like the most logical like statement in any kind of political or any atmosphere for that matter I'm not on any. I'm yeah. not on any side until I hear what the facts are of the situation, and then I'll go ahead and delegate and see what I think makes the most sense. I honestly think that that's all well and good, and that Chris Rock point was fantastic. It, you know, if you haven't heard that bit, listen to it. It's amazing. But if you've already aligned with one side, I think it's very difficult to not right. at that point. Well, that's just life, and ju- you that's- know, it's almost like you have to kind of stay in a position of non-alignment to even give yourself the opportunity to objectively think that way. I don't know. I don't I don't force myself into that position. I'm just not right. a very political guy. No. I don't I don't enjoy hearing about a, a lot of the issues like the depressing right. and then I mostly try and avoid the conversations with my friends that are like trying to hammer me with like what I should believe and I avoid it. Right. So it does it does kind of keep me more in the middle for that reason, I think, just because when you're undefined, that's where they're gonna throw you. Like that's who you are. I, I think that that's the appropriate spot to kind of hang out in for the vast majority of your time and based on all the issues because to choose it might be. I mean, what how you how you how do you how are you so passionate on things? I don't know, like, let's just say drug control. If you're not well, like, they've made reference to it. It's like, if you're not well-versed in this area of drugs and you don't understand how they work and just to automatically assume they're automatically negative because you're in a certain party just seems silly. But moving. Yeah. I don't know. I I wanted to talk to you about the, the, uh, like, the healthcare for all thing. When he was saying that, like, the 
one of the ideas and let's not it doesn't matter like which side is is choosing this like mm. republican or democrat like you can probably guess but it's it like let's just talk about the ideas right that we're hearing it's like one idea is like the medicare for all but then that might triple people's taxes right um i don't know how it could because it seems like that number would be too high and no one could ever even afford to live which would collapse the whole economy yeah. so i don't know if that's true right um and then he was talking about i like that idea that, that there's like a thing you can pay into and i did i had to write this down because i was forgetting what it was but it, a direct primary care that was it and it was 75 dollars a month and no copay right. gives you access to a primary care doctor um you know 75 bucks is like it that's that's affordable and if there's no copay and you can like ask them questions assuming you can get a hold of them that's what i was gonna say that's i I like the idea on paper that sounds great if it's just depending on how many people are going to be allocated to one doctor and where the doctor is going to be and who are they going to be and like how dude i have friends that are doctors and i've asked them that quite because i went to school with them so i did you know biochemistry at, at Loyola right. and um, you know many of the people I went to school with there now are doctors and we always used to wonder about these questions before but now I get to ask them directly like these guys are younger than me they're good friends of mine and they're like dude I just google shit before people get in here <laughs> he's like sometimes I forget what the thing is and I like want to sound like I'm smart I'm like you gotta be kidding me wow. that's how it works and he goes dude we are so busy wow. that we don't get a minute we're just like in and out with everything. And he goes, I, I care about people. That's why I do this and why I'm in this. Right. And I like want to answer every question. But he goes, you can't understand most of the questions are super dumb. And to be fair, like the, my, the people I know are not assholes. Right. You know, this is a private conversation. But like they're just speaking freely. And they're like, you know, when someone doesn't know what they're talking about at all, it doesn't mean that they don't care about their own health or they're not worried or they shouldn't ask those questions. But it's like, I, I was at the bank earlier and I couldn't figure out how to like attach this attachment to this email to like send to them. Mm -hmm. And the guy was super patient with me, but he was probably looking at me like this fucking idiot does not know how to do. So that's all he's saying there. He's just like, uh, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time. He wants to get straight to the point with what's important for people's health. Mm -hmm. And and if he's there answering a lot of questions that really don't relate, it, it puts him so behind. And then if he can't see the last three or four patients of the day, that's bad for those patients. Absolutely. Because they don't get to see a doctor at all. Right. And from my experience, and I haven't had health insurance for a long time now, over 10 years. But the few things that I've ever experienced, swimmers here, I had like a little staph infection. I've gone to urgent care, and to be honest with you, I've had some of the best experiences I've ever had at urgent care. Like, the quickest, most efficient, um, cheapest situation. I mean, it's been like 150 bucks was the most amount, and I probably waited less than 90 minutes to see somebody. I remember times that I'd go to the doctor's office when I was a kid, and that could be like a three- to four-hour adventure, just sitting on the bed waiting for the doctor to come in the office. Hmm. So, I mean, from, from yeah, experience, I'd say I, I've, I've kind of shifted my whole thought process to Google first because that's always what happens to me. Like, <laughs> like obviously, Google or like WebMD, whatever the hell's going on. 
WebMD, everything's either flu or you have cancer. One of the two, and go outside and stand in the sun, eat some fruits. You'll be all right. (laughs) What did you think about Joe not knowing that everybody got the $1,400 stimulus? I was curious. You know what? Until Joe gave his reaction... I don't think I'd ever realized how stupid it is. I didn't. I. I. Now that we're making mention of it, I right when you were saying it, I was just like, "Oh my god, that totally resonated." Because even if you wanted it or didn't want it, it just showed up in your account. Not that you wouldn't want an extra whatever amount of dollars, but you didn't even have any say over it. It was just like, "All right, here you go." So, dude, even the people we know in California that lost their job were getting a thousand dollars a week. Absolutely, that's the and then get given for it's like they were making more money doing nothing and then got extra money. Yeah, and I just never. I was. I think I was so focused on just the hope that I would get some money since like half the stimulus checks didn't even come to me anyway, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Immigrant conspiracy. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I don't don't know why. Probably because I moved. But it's like, it does make you think. It's like, hold on. There were people that were just working from home. Nothing changed for them. They got all the same benefits, all the same everything. And they were the... It does seem strange. It seems very strange. Like, I I just never saw it in that light. I was like, ugh. Right. Okay, (laughs) yeah, that's kind of dumb. Yeah, I mean, in the moment, too, it was everybody was caught up. It was such a twilight zone, especially out here, because that was, and he was talking about fraud and whatnot. And also, to, to go back to healthcare, he was talking about how many times people get on that Medicaid and how much that influences the system. I don't know if that's just a, a anomaly or if that's actually a thing that he speaks on, because sometimes they just have these, uh, vast majority of the times they have their swayed perception of the system based on their politics but how much what do you mean like that there's fraud on it yeah well he was saying people get on medicare for all kinds of different for all kinds of different reasons and just take advantage of the system like there's a a lot of people that do that that are just collecting money from the government and he's like that's only going to be increased this is what dan crenshaw from my understanding that's only going to be increased if you make it for health care for all they're just going to be like that on like steroids hmm so yeah, maybe I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, it doesn't really work like that in England, right? You, you got, it's not like people are like, oh, free healthcare, so they're just going to the doctor all the time. Like there are all those people that are like hypochondriacs, but right. it's you know they use it when they need to use it. Right. I don't know. I don't. But they're totally different systems. You can't really compare them the same, and and I get it. But I've seen them both used. Yeah. And I've got bills that are astronomical from the U.S. Do you? For like getting nothing done, and then I've, you know, gone in and had major surgery in England, and and they were like, "Do you need money for the cab home?" And I'm like, "That's very kind, thank you." Wow, that is such a difference. Well, especially when you've just had a major injury. I mean, you're at a fragile place. Absolutely. You know, instead of please fill out night, like nobody asks all that that you're not filling out forms there right like while you're bleeding right like it just doesn't happen they're like let's get them fixed and then thanks for coming in that seems like that thanks. seems like what a government or society should do for their people i i mean i guess that's something everybody has their own well that's what dan was saying and i really appreciate that because i know that's not really you know he talks a lot about what side he's on right. but at the same time he's like make it like he's He's probably risking upsetting people that vote for him by saying that, but he knows it's right. Right. 
and and I have to give him some credit for that, whether I politically like him or not. I'm like, well, as a person, I like that he's doing that. He's taking a risk for a greater good. Yes. And there's definitely not enough politicians like that. I do. Agree. I agree completely. Have you read his book or listened to it at least? I haven't. No. Fortitude. It's, no, it, it's a good book for sure. Is it dope? Yeah, it's real good. All right. Well, all right. I'll think about <laughs> all right. it. All right. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Who's the best in below-the-waist grooming? Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Listen, guys, they obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. When I tell you this thing is premium, I mean premium. The battery lasts well over 90 minutes, so you can have a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower, which is sweet. It's got a LED light, so you can see what you're doing down there. They've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Even the USB charger is dope. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code JRER at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code JRER. Your balls will thank you. Jumping on to uh, George St. Pierre, MMA legend. Uh, you know, I was very excited about this. I'm a big fan of George and I've watched him forever. And it was just really cool to have him talking. He definitely said less weird things this time than he did last time. <laughs> uh, last podcast, I think he was on. He was talking a lot about getting abducted by aliens. I'm not really sure, but um, they had quite a bit. Of, they it was they had quite a bit of alien talk on this one too. I knew, yeah, but he did it in a better way. Right. He did it in like a curiosity way, whether the like different than like, oh yeah, I definitely got abducted. But also he might have CTE. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Could be. Uh, he talked a bit about determinism. Is that the word? Determinism? Right. Instead of like, you know, do we have free will or whatever. He went on a podcast with Lex Friedman. And when that happens, you know, you're going to go deep. deep but rabbit holes for sure. Yeah, Lex, is Friedman, uh, Lex Friedman's podcast is excellent. But it is an interesting question because so often I think... You know, we think we're making all of our decisions. It seems like we are. But, like, how much, like, how often do you make a decision and you're sure you know the answer? Like, oh, I'm going to do it this way. And then later on, you find out, well, that was not beneficial for your life. <laughs> like, this is kind of, this is kind of fucked the rest of your week up. Yeah. And now your girlfriend's mad and these things have happened. And then you sit there and think, you know what? I, wouldn't have like i don't want to do things like that because i don't want to upset these people right. and i don't want to put myself in this position why the hell did i do it well so is that really just thoughtless free will or is it a kind of determinism based on look i don't want to get too deep we're too well, stupid for this but it, it's it just was something i thought about i'm like do you how much is like fucking autopilot uh, not to trivialize it, not to go down a different avenue, but it seems like this part is getting older. <laughs> As I've gotten older, I don't want to say life's gotten easier, but it's definitely come like much more clear that I'm a creature of habit, and I've kind of found things that have worked and what haven't worked. So 
I don't know where to turn. Maybe it's trial and error. I, yeah, maybe you do have to fuck those things yeah. up to see it. I think that's very, very plausible. My dog's, my mm. dog's having a moment over here. But uh, yeah, I'm in between on the determinism or fatality. I, I, we don't have to go down that road. But I'm always curious as everything happened for a reason. But I have to believe it does, in even like a biological way or. Just from an outside standpoint, because if not, and this is all just all coincidence, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like, I don't like that idea. I don't like that narrative. Well, it's nice that it seems like even from really terrible shit, we have the opportunity to learn good stuff. You know, things that ultimately benefit our life. I mean, when I talk to other guys that I know, like if I'm a jujitsu, for example, like sometimes I think because that's like such a challenge, like we get into talking about other challenges that we faced. And often they're the ones that created the most positive growth. Right. And in the moment you don't see it. And even when they're talking about it, I'm sure they wish that it never happened. Right. But if you're looking at the, the skill set that you learn from it, like the end result, like, oh, this is what I got out of this. Right. You know, I wonder if you would, if you went back, if you would be like, look, we can just not make this happen. This doesn't need to happen at all, but you'll never learn this. You'll never learn from this right. because you won't go through it. That's a tough question. You're like, ah, oh, it's going to suck, but I do need to know how to do that. Right. I knew I need to know how to like get past this. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, look, talk, talking of George, he got bullied in school he hated right. that he still struggles with it but it made him a world champion absolutely he, i mean do you think he wants to work at walmart and not get bullied no. not saying he would but i don't know where would what would george do if he didn't he probably be ufc he fighter? wouldn't have the hunger that got him to the place that he had i think that's what they established he wouldn't have that drive had that not happened to him clearly yeah something and and like i i loved a lot of what he talked about like he knows the fight game really i don't know if he knows it better than most other people but as a like coaches have come on trainers um um and they they really know a lot of the philosophy but it it seems like uh george does too right because he he talked about just the idea of with the ufc as opposed to boxers like boxers they kind of protect them they give them some decent fights you know but they're trying to keep them undefeated so they get a title shot yeah the UFC is just like throws you in the deep end every time. Yeah, I didn't like just go. I didn't realize the philosophy of how that worked up and coming as boxers. So MMA is just a, an elite level of fighter. That kind of weeds out the people real quickly, right? Well, it's a different thing. I mean, the boxers are elite level too. Yeah. It's just the structure is different. Yeah, that's true. It's like you start losing early on. Yeah, you might become a better boxer, but you're not going to get big fights. Right. And I guess in the same way that's true for UFC, like you can't be losing early on too, but the matchups, you have way less control. Right. And and you just got to go. It's like, here's a wrestler, figure it out, and you're a striker. Right. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know? But then you get people, like George talked about, having great mentors, right. great trainers, on top of his discipline, you know, and being smart about his sparring. Yeah, he's not... That kind of kept him sharp. Yeah, what do you think about... They go back and forth about training seven days a week. What are your thoughts on that? Well, if we're talking about, like, the Danaher jiu-jitsu camp Mm -hmm. that moved to Puerto Rico, 
I think George was right. For jiu-jitsu, you could do that. Because you can just you know, train But you're taking... Well, because you're not taking headshots. Mm. That's really where you're not going to recover. I mean, your body doesn't recover in lots of ways, too. Right. But And jiu-jitsu is incredibly physical. But, I mean, you're not taking, like, blows. Yeah, you're not taking punches. In jiu-jitsu. No, you can tweak yourself. You can get your neck, like, really yanked on and need a break. But and other than physical training and and keeping your endurance in a good place i mean you you're just not taking the impact and impact is a different type of thing to recover from so yeah for mma i and i haven't trained mma like exclusively Uh, i've gone to a few classes but i don't know it really well but but yeah i could see jujitsu you can do seven days you can do it multiple times a day if you get your endurance up you really can especially if you have good training partners absolutely but you know getting getting punched and kicked like i've been doing some boxing classes here and and yeah some days after that i'm like yeah i'm gonna take that (laughs) wasn't he saying there's there's some benefit to training against guys that are a little bit below your level so you can see how to advance your offense quite a bit was that well yeah, they they reference uh, Roger uh, Gracie, right. who moved to the UK and has an incredible school there, and is a world champ, and and just uh, I mean he's incredible. And some of the criticism was he's going to go there, and they won't have the pedigree of training, right. so therefore he won't be up against you know the very best guys. Gotcha. But but like Joe made the reference of like he said somebody said you know, the best training is against blue belts. Like, they're the hungriest. But why is that? So even though they don't have the skills, well, because they just got their blue belt, right? So in a regular martial art, that's basically a black belt. It only takes, like, I think two years or so in most martial arts to get a black belt. Oh, I did not know that. Like, karate, taekwondo, these... I mean, you got to train a lot. you got to be really disciplined. Right. I mean, that's that's a lot of work, but you could do it in that time. You can go through the belts fairly quickly. Gotcha. Jiu-jitsu is way more like 10 years. So the blue belts have a real taste for it now. Gotcha. Like they're in. They're in the club, and they're ready to go. They've got some moves. They're figuring out. I mean, think about it. The higher-level blue belts are almost purple. High-level blue belts are d- doing some damage. Right. I mean, they're definitely strangling every non-jujitsu guy they can get a hold of unless the dude's like a wrestler. Gotcha. I mean, it's going to happen 100% of the time at that level. Right. So they're just hungry. They're really hungry. They're not going slow sometimes. I mean, and they come up against a brown belt or a higher level guy. They're going to put in as much as they can because you've got to prove yourself. Right. Or at least they feel that way. And and maybe it really does sharpen those high level guys up. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm. I mean, I'm just blue belt too. So I don't. I don't. I don't get to look back on them and see. But yeah, every time that I have to, it doesn't matter what level, what like white stripe the blue belt is. Like it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fight. Right. For sure. Gotcha. You get a hold of a white belt, you're gonna strangle them. <laughs> but. But yeah, it's the they're they're hungry at that point, right. you know, because they're not they're not ready to quit, and they they've got a long way to go. Right. They've got the taste of success. I I need to explore more of the jujitsu. That's for sure. Hell yeah, I should make it mandatory. Yeah. If you want to be a co-host, you got to do jujitsu. Well, I'd, 
Get I, on I train. Maybe I'll make it mandatory. You train like me too. That'd <laughs> be good. They they talked a little bit about like mismatch fights, yep. you know. And you you can go back. They watched the Tim Sylvia Ray Mercer fight, which if you guys didn't watch that when they talked about it on the pod, you gotta check it out. I mean, they came to a gentleman's agreement where Tim Sylvia wouldn't uh, fight Ray Mercer, who's like a, an Olympic boxer in uh in like MMA. They were just going to try and stick to boxing because they couldn't sanction the boxing fight. Right. So Tim opens up with the leg kick like they talked about. And Ray just looks at him like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? And then the overhand right that he lands. And remember, I mean, Tim Sylvia is no slouch. He's a UFC champion. Right. Heavyweight. And was for a long time. He got completely KO'd. Right. I mean, it highlights the difference between the exact precision of those sports right. it's it's definitely much harder for an mma guy to go into their limited world of fighting right. he got destroyed but then you know they talk about the jake paul ben astron fight which is a spectacle yeah. but it's kind of the same thing ben astron is is you know was world-class wrestler just unstoppable right. but not really a striker and and Jake Paul's big, and he's got some punches. Right. And how is it going to go? I def- it's going to be a weird fight. Be- I'm going to watch I it. I would watch it for I'm interested. I, ben Askren is not Nate Robinson, first of all. But second of all, he's not a boxer either, so it should be an interesting little deal. And Jake Paul's not, like, proven is my point, but he does have the body and the ability to do it. Yeah, I mean, he's got some hard punches. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I've got a sneaky feeling that Ben is going to figure something out. Yeah, I think when, but who knows? I don't know. Once you're a champion, I, I know he doesn't want to go down to Jake Paul just from a pride standpoint. No, right? he does not want to lose to that guy at right. all, especially not after the saddest, quickest knockout in UFC history. Yeah, he doesn't want to Masvidal. He does not want that knee to the face ending. <sighs> I mean, he doesn't want anything that ridiculous. No. The, lastly, the big thing they talked about was the um, Francis Ngannou, John Jones fight, which I agree with them is going to be the biggest fight. I it could be the biggest fight in history. Is there? I mean, to say MMA history for sure, but it could be the biggest fight ever since Tito Liddell. <laughs> right. I mean. That's a- I mean well, number wise, I mean that that fight wasn't as big as like Connors right. and and some of the others, but but yeah, just for like the spectacle of what it is, right. I, it's gonna be unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I just hope they pay Jones enough so that he wants to do it. I was gonna it. say, simple as is that. Francis heavy? Is, would he be a heavy favorite? You think? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, kind of. Yeah, he's the champ. He's the heavyweight. I mean, Jones is coming up. He's never fought a heavyweight. I mean, you would have to say it. But how could you say that to Jones? He beats everyone. Yeah. Beats everyone. Always. Since he was like 22. Right. Francis is a, is a beast. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jones definitely doesn't want to get punched in the face by Francis. I'll tell you that much. Nobody yeah. does. Yeah. That would be like, you could put him up against the car. You remember that old Street Fighter game where, like, there was the bonus and you, like, kick the car to pieces? Whack. Yeah, he could do that. He could smash. Just to beat the piss out of a car. 
That's it. All right, let's jump over to Brian Green, 1631. Um, how did you describe this guy? Huge nerd? You hadn't heard the huge nerd <laughs> guy podcast? Yeah, he probably would fit into that category, but incredibly smart. And I will say that even though a lot of stuff that he was talking about was highly scientific, it was a certain relatable element to him. Like I, He's a very good speaker, isn't right. he? He does make, like even the shit that he was saying about black holes... Mm-hmm. It's like stories that I don't know if you can tell that he's talked to much dumber people for a long time and <laughs> therefore he knows how to like make it work. It but it yeah, it's not it's not so it's not like you leave knowing the math, but you don't leave bamboozled. Right. You're like, Oh, I kinda think that I understood some of right. that. Th- Very smart dude, for sure. It seems like I don't know much about physics, but it seems like physics is almost like the philosophy of science to some to some extent. Maybe have a well, kind of because they don't. It's so abstract that the only way to describe it is through kind of like metaphors and examples that are, in a sense, are really unrelatable to the original thing. I mean, you take like quantum entanglement. Or the quantum computing. It's like to explain how it's working is one thing. Is one is one way to do it to explain how it's working, but to have like an end game just doesn't seem like the what they're desiring to get. Right? He makes reference to that too. He's like, you don't have to have like solid blocks. It's just how do you get there? If I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, and they they I think they have these stories because they're trying to make sense of it themselves. Right. Um. You know, the quantum entanglement thing is a really cool idea because uh, if you think about it, like we do start sending spaceships like real far away from Earth. Instead of having to wait as long as it takes for the radio waves to get back, they could use that to communicate. Like they could decode the thing in real time. So it doesn't matter where anyone is. They'd be able to upload information, pictures, data. Like it's that's like Star Trek shit. It's kind of it's kind of cool. I don't like the multiverse thing. It freaks me out to think that there's like another version of me somewhere doing stuff. Well, the way they make it seem Maybe cuz I just assume that person is doing a way better job than I am at everything. I feel the same way whenever he made references like I'm like is somebody doing this life better than me somewhere else? God damn it. Guaranteed, bro. <laughs> Guaranteed. And not only one there's this, a- this is probably actually a good podcast somewhere in the yeah, universe. Right. The way he talks about sh- shuffling but, cards and it coming, like, always going to have only a certain amount of outcomes if you believe in that, like, and relatable to, like, life in itself, it's like, like maybe it is going on. And Joe made reference to it that the, uh, not symbiotic, but we're going through the, what's the word, whenever you're living in, like, a parallel universe, but we're just going through the motions. I can't remember what that word is, but we're going through that kind of, um, what's the fucking word? I don't know, it'll come back to me, but we're just going through the synopsis of life of how we think it is, but it actually isn't going on. Mm. Well, it makes you think about your choices. Right. I guess that's the only valuable part of the fact that there are an infinite version of you. Because then you get to then you get to put yourself on a scale and be like, Am I actually any good at being me? Right. Like imagine if you found out you're on the bottom ten percent of all the use. You'd be like, fuck. I kind of suck at being Damn me. It. That's not good. I know. Right. You like call up the dude who's the best version of you, and you're like, "How are you doing things?" Yeah. They're like, "All right, Can I well, get the cliff notes on what's going on." <laughs> <You> can, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> work out more, drink less, yeah. don't say as much stupid shit, read more books. I'm like, okay, got it, writing got it down. It. Hold on, my pen's broke. I want to, I want to make reference to this now that I think about that. As far as communication goes and like relating to psychedelics, um, I, they talked about that for a little bit, and he was saying it wasn't as well-versed as he wished he was, but now that he's getting older, he wants to like kind of dip his toe in that area. But they were talking about Neuralink and how you're not going to have to speak language. You're just going to understand what the other person is going going through or going on in general. So do you ever felt that way whenever you do psychedelics? I thought about like mushrooms and stuff. Like sometimes you can just like be around people and don't have to say anything. You just like understand what's going on. There's like a certain understanding. Yeah. You're not even really sure how. Right. Because, like, obviously you don't get to practice being in that state, but I've definitely had right. that. Where you're like, you don't have to say any words. I've, I've had it for sure. And I was thinking about that. I yeah. was like, maybe that is tapping into that other element, but from some plant or psilocybin or these other things that are from natural from the earth are allowing you to tap into that other resource that maybe Elon Musk is making into this form, you know? Well, maybe it had changed the whole experience. Like, you get the Neuralink and someone else has it and you're like they they semi kind of have the mind reading down but not all the way like it's in that transition period and then you both do psychedelics together and you're like oh i get it now. Like, i see what you're thinking i'm a blue belt in psychedelics <laughs> that's, it. that's pretty good that's a good right. start well they have that video now of uh that monkey playing pong if you guys haven't seen that, check it out. It's on YouTube, I think. But he's the monkey is using the Neuralink, the um, one. And then he's like, they've taught him how to play that old video game Pong. And he's really good at it. And he gets like a banana smoothie for like doing well. And he's just crushing it, playing this game. Dominating. It's like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize monkeys were that good at shit, but I guess so. Maybe they just really like banana smoothies. I think it's the smoothies. The last bit I enjoyed a lot was kind of their psychedelic talk, since we're on that anyway. Like, Carl Sagan was a huge marijuana advocate. I did not know anything about that. I did not know that he was. I know they were talking about And fair play to Carl Sagan. What a legend. Joe's like, if you're always staring at space, you got to be a stoner, man. (laughs) You should be. I think it helps. I think it helps at all. He's a very peaceful dude. And he seemed to love everything, so at least he represented what that was well. Yeah. And and kind of in that same context of the psychedelics, they they kind of shifted over into teaching tools of like how to teach people to like enjoy this shit that most people think is just either too complicated, nerdy, or boring. And they talked about VR, using VR mm-hmm. to teach science, making video games right. that kind of teach you about some of these elements and why not i mean it's always you think back to anything that you've learned that you enjoyed most of it came down to how good that teacher was as a at explaining it to you that's a good point so why not cut out the middleman and get straight to any sort of education source that just makes it actually fun right i mean i could see vr being an incredible way to because there's a lot of visual conceptualization that goes into this stuff and VR is about as immersive as anything can be. Right. You could. I don't know. I'm a big fan. I'm on a big VR can, kick can you right just now. Do, now that I'm, you can say. just do VR college, couldn't you? Basically. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah it'd be dope. Yeah. 
being a classroom, everyone has their own avatar. Which one do you have? The Oculus Two. I'm still been kind of poking around Amazon. Yeah, I have the Oculus okay. one. I think Facebook makes that. Yeah, I, guess. I think they own that. It's good. For sure. It's pretty dope. Yeah. Fucking Facebook. Come on. Fucking Facebook. <laughs> I'll take. I'll take whatever anyone's right. got. Whatever. You said the. You, you are you saying if it's good enough? Well, is it think? accurate to say that the biggest? Uh, advantage to the vr is or biggest like usage you've got out of it is from that meditation standpoint or what's the other extreme benefits from it yeah there's a meditation app called trip right. and it's just brilliant like i can't stand meditating right. i'm terrible at it i do not have any patience i get all distracted and then i'm just like why am i even doing right. this and the app that they have like it's just a it's not really like a game you just kind of watch a thing and sit there and and just chill out, but it it's the best thing. It's the reason that I recommend it to anyone. Though the games are all dope though right. too. Like almost everything that I've played on there is brilliant. And some of the other really cool things are like the streaming apps. Right. Because they like put you in a movie theater and obviously we're all missing movie theaters right yeah. now. The I the Amazon one does that. You're like in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. No one else is in there, but it like kind of feels the same. Right. And then, and then uh, the the Netflix one's really good. You're just in this like re- like a mansion log cabin in the mountains, freaking. And you got like a view out the window and a, a couch and there's a coffee table and just a big screen and hell yeah, it's it's really right, good. It's I think it's better than just. Jo- Watching Joe, it on your TV. Joe is not like super endorsing it. That's why I was just questioning and asking you because he's not. He's like, I thought we'd be a lot further along. But the things that I've seen on those VRs, and I did something in Santa Monica where I was doing the the Star Wars thing they were talking about. Like I, oh yeah, I wanted dude, to do that, that thing was out of control. Like I felt like I was there, like in the middle of space, like tight roping this rope with two guns shooting like those guys with the white heads. One of those. Well. <laughs> I don't know. I think that maybe if you've like stayed up on all VR technology, you're not that impressed because you've seen the trans like the progression. But to me, I was brand new into it. I barely played video right. games, so I jump in and I'm like, "Holy shit, we have this right. now! This is incredible!" Right. So I I guess you got to see it kind of from what angle you're coming at it right. from. But um, it's pretty fucking dope. Man. I think I'm gonna Scott. I, you, I definitely you'd think say it get it just for the meditation alone. It's worth it. Oh yeah, it's totally worth right. it. I don't think they're that All much. Right. I, I they're think not they're that much. Three hundred, three hundred bucks, but not, not bad. A, yeah, Do it's it. worth it if that's if you're telling me that. Yeah, that's a good Saturday night at the bar. Fair enough. You can pay you're for right. it. Well, guys, that's it for this week. As always, message us, uh, reach out, email, say hi, uh, give us a good review if you can, if you feel like it's worth it. We appreciate you as always. And uh, thank you, Garrett, you guys. for joining me over from Venice, California. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you. Peace and love. All right. Later. See you next week.